Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRadio.com. We'll give you the numbers before we begin. The numbers to the station, if anybody would like to call in, it's 718-683-5858. To text in your questions, it's 347-927-8398. Today is Wednesday, Wednesday Yud Be'av, the day after the Shah Be'av. And it's already after Hatzot, where most of the people have the minhag already that they're coming out of the Avilut, the old morning of the the morning of the Beit HaMikdash, and the three weeks pretty much are over. Everything is back to regular schedule. And so are we. We are back also to regular schedule here on the Halakha Hour on Wednesday afternoons by j Radio. One thing I forgot to mention is also that two things. To listen to the class online, you can listen at jrootradio.com. We don't have a camera today, but you can listen to it live, jrootradio.com, or on the JRoot Radio Pro app. That's how you download it off the internet. That's the only way to listen in. In fact, actually, no, you can also listen in at 718-506-9099. Today's class is dedicated to Louis Nishmat, all the fallen soldiers from this past a uh, few weeks in the Ahinu uh, B'nai Israel, the 64 soldiers that died during this uh, <coughs> protective edge uh, operation. Baruch Hashem, they were, according to them, they were Matzliah, Baruch Hashem, and should have, Barzat Hashem, they've done a lot for the sake of the Jewish people. Also, this class is dedicated also for all the soldiers that have been injured during the war, during this operation. Hashem should give them a speedy recovery, Barzat Hashem, very soon. Before we get on to the subjects that we're going to speak about today, I'd just like to mention a story that happened to me if you last week, maybe a little bit more like last week. What happened is <clears throat> I was walking by, I was walking home and I see a person that I know waving to me from the car. As he's waving to me from the car, so I waved back. This is a young man that used to come to my classes and he said hello. So I I came to him also and I and I uh, said hello and he told me come. Rabbi, I want you to I want you to come closer. So I came, and he told me, please give a berachat to my brother. I look at his brother in the car, okay, what's so special about his brother? He said, he's going back to Israel. He's going back, to, he used to be in, in, uh, in the IDF, and he's going back. So his brother also I recognize, I knew him also. He used to be, also used to come to the classes. He went to Israel a few years ago. He was there for about a few years, and he became like a little bit of a commando over a certain group. And now he's going back to Israel. This was last week. This was week before Tisha B'Av. So he gets out of the car, of course, you know, he's moved, he's going back okay, from the comforts of America, he's going back all the way to Israel. So I give him Barakat Hashem should protect him, uh, he should come back home safely, and Barakat Hashem, there should be Matzliah and everything, all Klali says should be Matzliah. Then he tells me, you know, Rabbi, you know why I'm going to Israel? I said, why? He said, because after 120, you know, I don't have so many mitzvot. After 120, if I get up to Shemayim, Hashem is going to ask me, what would you do? At least now, I have something to show. I have something to show, at least, look, I stood up for my brothers. A very, very moving story. This is, uh, I couldn't believe my ears. But you know what? That's a way to look at life. We have to look at life and we have to understand that after 120, they'll ask us, what have you done? If we're confident that our mitzvot, our good deeds are good enough, our Torah is good enough, okay, so we're confident. If not... We're close to the days of Elul. We're less than three weeks away. And that means we're less than seven weeks away from Rosh Hashanah when Hashem is going to judge us. We don't have to wait till 120. Every year we get judged. And the question that's asked in Shemaim is, what have you done? What have you done for the sake of Hashem? What have you done for the sake of Klal Yisrael? And what's amazing that somebody is ready to give up his whole life 
leaving America to go back to Israel to go on the front lines. This guy is a Golani, which means he's going to go in and fight. To go in and to fight for the sake of Klal Israel in order that Jewish people should be able to do their parts. And we have to ask ourselves the question, the same thing. These soldiers put their lives on the line. The people in Eretz Israel should live the way they're supposed to live. They should live in comfort. They should be able to travel. They should be able to move around. And Baruch Hashem, there's so much Torah in Eretz Israel. All the yeshivot, all the avrechim, all the kolelim, and all the people living religiously in Eretz Israel, they should have their comfort. They put their lives on the line. We have to do something to put our, to run to the army. I don't know if that's suitable for everybody, but something to be done. What have we done? What are we doing? Leman Klai said, what have we done this year specifically? Now we're approaching Rosh Hashanah. Now that we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, but before that, what marks the calendar before Rosh Chodesh Elul, what marks the calendar is this Monday. This Monday we will say Yehishim, Los Faradim, which means there's no Tahanun or no Tachnun for Ashkenazim. There is no Tahanun this Monday because this Monday in the Hebrew calendar, in the Jewish calendar, it is the 15th of Ab. What is so significant about the 15th of Ab? Let me tell you what the Mishnah says. Mishnah in the end of Masechet Ta'anit says the following words. There were never such good days for the Jewish people like the day of Yom Kippur and the 15th of Ab. On both of these days, Hazal tell us in the Mishnah that they were designated as days where the people would go out, would go out, where the girls would go out to the fields and the guys would go out and they would choose their brides. Now, those days were designated for that reason. So the Mephashim explained, Yom Kippurim, we all understand. Such a happy day like Yom Kippurim, we all understand. You know why? Because it's a day of forgiveness. Hashem forgave the Jewish people in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu when they worshipped the Aigel. And so too was designated as a day for forgiveness forever. And here Hashem, after Rosh Hashanah, after Hashem sees all our sins, Hashem still forgives us for our Avirot. Of course that makes sense why Yom Kippurim is a very happy day. And that's why people would go out to get married. Why? Because marriage also, it's like a beginning of a new life. Not it's like, it is a beginning of a new life. That's what Hazal tell us. One of the people whose sins are forgiven is a hatan, is a person getting married. Because he's beginning a new life. Yom Kippur is the conclusion of the Aset and Teshubah. And we're beginning a new year. And therefore we're forgiven. It's a happy day. And that's why it was designated to choose a bride. Question is, what about the 15th of Ab? What was so significant that the 15th of Ab should be akin, should be likened to the day of Yom Kippur? To that we have in the Gemara a few reasons. There are about six reasons. Go to some of them. The Gemara says, for example, what happened is there was intermarriage between the tribes. If you look in the Torah and Parashat Masai, the Torah tells us that the Benotzel of Had only married within their tribe. They were from Shebet Menashe ben Yosef. And they only married men who were also from the tribe of Menashe ben Yosef. And that's the way it used to be. Every tribe, men and women, would marry only within their tribe. Reuben would not marry within Shemar, Shemar would not marry within Yehuda. And that's the way it was. Why? Because it was a problem of real estate, whatever the reason is. The day that they were matirit, the day when Hazal already said that it's permitted for everybody to marry each other, that means there's no more, uh, you know, you don't have to, you're not restricted to only your tribe. That was on the 15th of Av. Another thing happened on 15th of Av. There was an ugly story. There was a very ugly part of our history when there was a civil war which almost wiped out one whole tribe, the tribe of Binyamin. There was only 600 men left. 
And not only that, they made a shiva, all the Jewish people made a vow that nobody is permitted to give from his daughters to anyone from Shebet bin Yamin. The day that they were matir the Shebwa was the day on 15th of Av, whatever year it was, but they were matir it eventually. That was the time the, the time that they found a heter for the, for the vow, that was on the 15th of Av. Another thing happened also, Hazal tell us, that on the 15th of Av, in the, when the Jewish people were in the desert, they realized that the gzerah, the decree, that all the men have to die from the age of 20 to 60, they have to die in the desert. Remember when they were, when they were traveling in times Moshe Rabbeinu, they realized on the last year, of Mo- that was Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, the, la- the 40th year they realized that Hashem already forgave them for that decree. They realized that on the 15th of Av and people stopped dying from that Gezerah. Hazal tell us another few reasons, we'll just go through one more and that's it. Hazal tell us that Hoshea bin Allah, who was one of the kings, he took away the guards that Yeruvam set up for the people to restrict the people from coming down to Yerushalayim. That's the way it's, it's brought down. Now, many, many different explanations go into this and why specifically this day. You see from the reasons that were given in Gemara, many of them had to do with marriage. For example, the intermarriage between the tribes, Shevet ben Yamin being allowed to marry from the other tribes, the 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 reasons of the of the marriage comes to Bnei Seschah and explains an amazing idea. And he says, based on the Gemara, the Gemara says 40 days before a person, 40 days before a person is born, really, I don't, it's not the correct word, 40 days before a person is conceived, there's a heavenly voice that comes on and says, Bat ploni ploni. this daughter is already designated for this person. That means whoever you married was predestined to you. Hopefully, right? If you got the right one. If you, whoever a person is going to marry is already predestined 40 days before conception. Says Ibn Yisachar, conception is the beginning of creation of a person. So too, the beginning of creation of the world took place on Chafhe Elul, on the 25th of Elul. Because Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day of creation when Adam HaRishon was created. Which means when the world was created, when it says, Bereshi barai Elohim and he created the light that took place on Chaf Hebe Elul. Now, what was the purpose of creating the world? The purpose of creating the world was to have a unity between God and the Jewish people. As Hazal tells us in the first word, Rashi brings it down, Bereshit barai Elohim, Bereshit says Rashi, it doesn't mean in the beginning, but Bereshit means for the sake of the beginning. For the sake of Rashid, Hashem created the world for the sake of Rashid. Who is Rashid? The Jewish people are considered Rashid. And the Pasuk, he brings a Pasuk to prove that the Jewish people are called Rashid. So the purpose of creating the world, from Hashem's point of view at least, Hazal Talas is for in order to have a unity between the Jewish people and Hashem. Kanal is similar to the unity between husband and wife. And that took place one on Chafeb Elul. Now what we just learned in Gemara, Gemara Sota says 40 days before a person is conceived, before any creation is conceived, there's a heavenly voice that declares who is destined to who. Which means if you go back 40 days before Chafhebe Elul, there should have been a heavenly voice. Says the Bnei Sashar, 40 days before Chafhebe Elul, the 30 days before Chafhebe Elul is Chafhebe Av. 10 days before that comes out to the 15th of Av this Monday. That's the heavenly voice that comes out. That's the time when already there's a declaration for the unity between Hashem and the Jewish people. And that's why it was a day that's also designated for marriage. And that makes sense with all the other 
reasons that Hazal tell us over there, where a person is supposed to, basically all the reasons are given in the Gemara, represent the same idea. Take away the barriers to bring the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people closer, or similar, the relationship between husband and wife, which is always likened to the relationship between the Jewish people and Hashem to bring them closer to each other. This is the way the Bnei Sashar explains the reasons of the Gemara, why specifically on the 15th of Av. Now we're going to take it a little bit to a practical level because we don't recommend that person should get married today in such a way. We don't recommend the girls should go out in the forest in the, in the, in, and they should start dancing in the fields and let the men just choose them. That's not the way to do it today. Yes, that's not the way to do it today. And then, so therefore, we want to make it a little bit practical. So you go down in that Gemara, the Gemara says the following words. The Gemara says that another reason on 15th of Av is because what, what was so special about that day, they made it as a Yom Tov because that's when they began cutting wood for the sake of the Mizbeah. Up till now, the sun was very, very strong. And now the day starts getting shorter. If you've noticed already, candle lighting time is getting earlier and earlier. We know because we could we measure it by minutes. Once upon a time, they couldn't, didn't have minutes and didn't have watches. So they didn't exactly measure, but they already, by the 15th of Ab, you could tell already that the day is getting shorter. You could tell, you could see already, hey, look, it's, it's much, much shorter than beforehand. So therefore, the strength of the sun started weakening. And because of that, it means that this is as dry as the wood in the forest is going to get. This is as dry as possible that's going to get throughout the whole year because it doesn't rain in Israel throughout the summer. And now that's already getting shorter and shorter. We're getting closer to the raining seasons, which means the strength of the sun already did its part. And now we could start cutting wood for the sake of Mizbeah. Hazal tell us that the Mizbeah brings a person closer to Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the wood that's being cut for the sake of the fire on the Mizbeah took place on the 15th of Av, which was designated as a Yom Tov. So you see again the same idea. It's bringing us closer to Kadosh Baruch Hu. But then the Gemara comes and says another idea right afterwards. He's, the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Menashia, Vikarule Yom Tabar Magal, Mikan Ve'elach, Demosif Yosif, Vudlam Mosif Mai, Yasif. Amar Yobi Yosef, Tikbere Imme. From here onwards, that the nights are getting longer, then a person already has to add to his learning. Hazal tell us that the purpose of creation of the evening is that so people could learn Torah. Now the night is getting longer, therefore we have to make sure to find more time to learn Torah. Because that's what the purpose of the night is. What about a person who doesn't want to add on to his Torah? Says the Gemara, two answers. One is that he should pass away. One is that his mother should bury him. Idea is that the purpose of life is to have that relationship with the Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the only way to achieve that is through the learning of Torah. There's no way a person will understand Hashem better. There's no way a person will connect to Hashem as much as learning Torah. It's impossible. A person who has no Torah cannot really connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You have to learn about Hashem to know what Hashem wants. If a person starts acting without knowing what the Torah requires of him, who says you're doing what Hashem wants of you? How many people say berachot on things that they don't know that you know, and, and many times according to halakha, it's against halakha. Even though they have good intentions, that's not what Hashem commanded. Therefore, there's a requirement for a person to get closer. There's a requirement for a person to study Torah in order to get closer to Kadosh Baruch Hu. And that a person has to already start considering from this Monday already that the days are getting shorter. We have to already figure out to bring in more time in 
our daily schedule. And like we mentioned, we're getting closer to Elul and the days of Rosh Hashanah. person has to figure out a little bit more how much to do a little bit more. Like remember, Rosh Hashanah, they'll ask, what have you done for the sake of Hashem? What have you done for the sake of the, the Jewish people? And learning Torah, Hazrat tell us, is our greatest protection against all evil, not only for us, but for the whole world, not only for us and our own families, but for the whole world itself, our learning Torah protects. And with that, Be'ezat Hashem, we'll move on now to the study of the Halakhot. Here in the Halakha hour, we just digressed a little bit because we're the day after Tisha B'Av. But now we'll come back to our Halakhot, the regular schedule. The Halakha hour is a class designated once a week to learn Halakhot. Hopefully Halakhot that are practical, that are uh, uh, applicable. But we go in the order of the Ben Ishai. We took a big break almost for the last month to talk about the halakhot of Tisha B'Av in three weeks we're back to our regular schedule we were learning the halakhot of Motsa'i Shabbat we're in Parashat Vayetze in the book the Ben Ishaya in the second year we got up to Halakha Vav in Halakha Vav in Shana Shania in Parashat Vayetze the Ben Ishai is discussing the halakhot of what to do on Motsa'i Shabbat and he talks about over here the halakha of saying Yosheb Beseter Alion before we come to the halakha, let me just repeat the numbers in case anybody wants to call into the studio. The number to the studio, if you would like to call in to ask a question live, is 718-683-5858. We have a question in halakha, what we discussed, or the subject that we're discussing, you could call in 718-683-5858. If you don't want to be on air, then wait till after 3 o'clock, and then you could call them. To call the studio, or to text in your question, if you're too embarrassed, or even if you're not embarrassed, if you could word it better, it's at 347-927-8398. Those are the two numbers to reach us if you'd like to ask any questions on what we said or hopefully what we said only but or what we're, gonna about, we're about to say. Let's get to the halakha now. I'm not going to read it inside this halakha because it's too long to read. Basically, <clears throat> all people, Ashkenazim, Sfaradim, Chassidim, Temanim, everybody has a manhag, Motsa'i Shabbat, to say Yosheb Beseter Alion. Mizmor of Yosheh Beset Elyon can be found in Tehillim, Mizmor 91, Mizmor Tzaddi Aleph. And that is said usually after the Amidah. Why? Why do we say Yosheh Beset Elyon now after the Amidah? I understand you want to say V'atakadosh. Okay, we're going to talk about V'atakadosh soon. But why specifically Yosheh Beset Elyon, which comes right before, how come it's said on Motsai Shabbat? So you should know, the Gemara tells us that Yosheh Beset Elyon has another name. This spe- specifically, this mizmor is called mizmor shir shel pegaim. It's a shir shel pegaim, which means it's a special mizmor which protects us from anything bad from happening. It's said for protection. Hazal tell us that one of the early, one of the first people to say this mizmor, you know who? Moshe Rabbeinu. When did Moshe Rabbeinu say this? When Moshe Rabbeinu said this mizmor, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shamayim to receive the Torah. And over there it says that the angels protested. They didn't want that Moshe, a human being, should be able to receive the Torah. And they came and they argued. And they basically scared Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe was scared from the angels when he saw the way their appearance. Moshe started saying, Because he was being covered by HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the shadow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And therefore he was saying that sheer to protect him. In fact, they dismiss more. If you pay attention, when do you say this mizmor? Any time that we need ex-protection, we say this mizmor. I don't know how it is exactly by the Ashkenazim, but by the Sfaradim, when we have a Levaya, 
There's in the levaya we say this mizmor as we're escorting the body in the fu- in the funeral to take him to his uh, final destination. Everybody who is walking behind the body says Yosheh Beseter Why is that so? Because the body is now left, you know, the Neshama left its body, and the body is now opened up to all types of evil spirits. And since it's exposed to all the evil spirits, it needs extra protection. Therefore, we say Yosheh Beseter to protect him. Besides that, the people who are walking behind the body, dead body, since Satan, Malach Mavid was just here, so therefore we also say for our protection as well. We say Yosheh Beseter before we go to sleep, we say How come? Same idea. Hazar tell us that the evil side, the demons have power in the night. There's something called mazikin, and they have power in the evening. And especially when a person is going to sleep, it's a form of death. When a person is sleeping, Hazar tell us, you're sampling a taste of death. One out of sixtieth of death the person tastes when he goes to sleep. So therefore, we also need protection. We say, Yosheh Beset Elion. We also say, Yosheh Beset Elion, Motzei Shabbat. Because we had a Neshama Yetera. We had an extra Neshama. And now the Neshama left us. And therefore, as a protection for the Neshama that left us, and now we're left, whenever Kedusha leaves, the evil side likes to come in. We're also saying, Shim is more Yosheh Beset Elion. The Shir Shepagayim to protect us from those evil powers. The Zohar gives another reason, very interesting. The Zohar says that Motzei Shabbat is the time when the souls go back to Gehinnam. On Shabbat, all the souls in Gehinnam get a break. Yes, there's even Shabbat in Gehinnam. Of course, if they were Shomer Shabbat. If they're not Shomer Shabbat, then unfortunately, they, they still stay, they stay in Gehinnam. In any case, we they, the, the, the souls go back to Gehinnam. Since they're going back to Gehinnam, Motzei Shabbat, it's not just they go back to Gehinnam. Gehinnam has to work. And when Gehinnam works, it means the dinim, which are basically, again, the same evil powers are found around in the world. And once they do what they have to do to the people of Gehinnam, they overflow also to us in the world. So therefore, we have to say, Yosheh Beset Elyon, to protect us from these dinim that are found in the world, the fact that Gehinnam is reopened on Motzei Shabbat. So another beautiful reason. He said, if you count Yosheh Beset Elyon, you'll see that you get 130 words. You have to add a few numbers, whatever according to uh, rules of uh, gematria works. 130 words is the same exact gematria as the words hakohanim. So, what does that have to do with the hakohanim? And the answer is the hashmonaim, who were also kohanim, said this mizmor before they went out to war seven times. And they said this seven times. Why? Because seven in Hebrew is zayin. Zayin also in Hebrew has another meaning. The double meaning of the word zayin is weapons. Has, they said this mizmor 130 ta- uh, this hundred mizmor which is 130 words which is the same gematria of the Kohanim seven times to be protected from the Zion to protect it from the weapons of the enemy remember again the same idea this mizmor represents protection the Arizal has a different approach the Arizal says that really the mizmor works like a bridge Basically, it takes the Kedushah that we had on Shabbat and it extends it throughout the weekday. And that's why we say this is more. We take the whole Kedushah that we had on Shabbat that shouldn't completely go away and we let it f- trickle down also to our weekdays. And that's why Dariza says you should say it's standing up. And that's a manhag by a lot of people that, especially according to Mikubalim, that you should say your Shabbat standing up because remember, you're taking that Kedushah, you're escorting the Queen out and you're trying to grasp a little bit of the Kedushah of Shabbat with you. So therefore, you should say it standing up. The tour says that the main reason why we say Yosheh B'Seti Elyon is because it says in the Pasuk, And that's really not in Yosheh B'Seti Elyon, that's right in the Pasuk right before it. 
which is Tefillah le Moshe, Mizmorzadi. And since that Pasuk was said by Moshe as a blessing to when the people complete the building of Mishkan, that's what we said also over here. We say Yosheb Beset Elion because we're saying the Pasuk of Hinoam to bring blessings to the weekday, to the rest of the weekday. Okay? Now, the question is, if you look in the Lada Sidurim, in the Sfaradim, you see that we don't begin with Vihinoam, we begin from the Pesukim Shuba Adonai and Matam, which is the last three Pesukim from the Mizmor of Tiflal Moshe, and then we go at the end, Shuba Hashem and Matai, and then we go from that into the Mizmor of Yosheb Beset Elion. Why? How come? Well, where did these Pesukim come from? In fact, there's some opinions, like the Shiyah Tzibur, there's a book called Triyatapur, who questioned the Minhag. And therefore, the, the Kafahim brought that um, from a book called Yafel Elev. And he brings, the Yafel Elev brings that he says that the reason why we say these Pesukim, because these Pesukim represent the, um, these Pesukim not represent, excuse me, they speak about the Geulam, Shubah Hashem and Matai Hashem, please redeem us, come back. So therefore, we say, we say the Pasuk of, what's it called? We say the Pesukim of Shubah Hashem and Matai. But some Kehilot have the Minhag of just beginning from Vihi Noam. And the Mikubalim explained that Vihi Noam is part of the, the 130 words that we explained beforehand with the Yosheh Besetra Alion. It's all considered part of the Shir Shel Pegaim. That is Halakha Vav. Okay. Hopefully we explain the question that came through the text. Vihinoam is the beginning because that is part of the the way the gematria comes out all together, and that together with Yosheb Setelion works with the um, the protection of called the Shishepegaim. That's the way the Mikubalim explain it. From now, halacha. We just finished halacha vav. We move on now to the next halacha. We're gonna skip halacha zayin because in halacha zayin basically we said the same idea. That we're saying the Yosheb Besetel Alion and the Kedusha in order to take the Kedusha of Shabbat to extend it also in, uh, to the weekday. We should have the Kedusha also extending to the weekday. Now we move on to Halakha Het. And before we begin Halakha Het, we have to give an introduction. Because in Halakha Het until Halakha Yud Het, all of these Halakhot have to do with Havdalah. And that's the main subject over here. Okay? Yeah. Havdalah is from Halakha Het until Halakha Yud Het and the laws of Havdalah are very important we all make Havdalah we all perform the Mizvah of Havdalah every single Motzai Shabbat and there's a lot of confusion sometimes when it comes to it and sometimes there's outright uh, mistakes and sometimes it's not mistakes but it does a lot of things but we sometimes don't understand a lot of the Minhagim that are done on Motzai Shabbat all this sometimes a lot of questions especially now we're in the Going away season. A lot of people go away for Shabbatot, especially the Shabbat, Shabbat Dahamu. And you have to know how to do Havdalah. When you, also, when you're away, a lot of times, you know, it's not so easy to do Havdalah with everything. So, Rezat Hashem, we go through all the Lachot. I don't believe we're going to finish everything today in a half an hour. I think we're gonna, it's going to take us another week, Rezat Hashem, to finish all the Halachot. So, therefore, I'm going to start from the beginning with an introduction to Havdalah. And then we're going to go based on the order that the Benish High brings over here. In the uh, halakha in his book in Benish Hai, that's how we're going to be able. That's how we're going to talk about the halakhot over here, and we'll talk about. We'll bring out each point along the way. If you have any questions regarding what we said, then you could call in. But otherwise, if you have stamp questions on havdalah, wait till after three o'clock. You could call in then, 
or you could text in your question and Bazat Hashem will get to you when we finish. Let's begin. There are the Havdalah that we make on Motzei Shabbat. The source of it comes from the following. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. The mitzvah in the Torah says, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat lekadesho." You have to remember Yom Shabbat to be Mekadeshit. What does that mean to remember Yom Shabbat? So the Gemara clearly explains, Zachor doesn't mean just to remember in your mind, but Zachor is like what we say by Parashat Amalek, that it has to be expressed, it has to be verbally expressed. So therefore, Zachor at Yom HaShabbat means you have to remember to be Mekadesh Shabbat by expressing it. How do you designate Shabbat? Well, Shabbat is a day, it's a time. Which means it comes in a specific time and it leaves in a specific time. The way you designate Shabbat is when the time comes for Shabbat to be there, you express it, you verbally express the coming of Shabbat. And when Shabbat leaves, you also mekadesh it, you designate it by expressing verbally that Shabbat has left. That's how you make Shabbat special out of the weekday. It's not like any other part of the weekday. You don't say this on Sunday night. And when and on Monday night, today is Monday, tomorrow, last night was just Monday. It doesn't work that way. Only on Shabbat, which is Kodesh, which is holy, we designate it when it comes in and when it leaves. This is in mitzvah midde'oraita. To mikadesh Shabbat when it comes in, also when it leaves. Now, the question is, is this a mitzvah midde'oraita? Everybody almost agrees, almost agrees that... The mitzvah was the oraita when it comes in. The question is, what about when it leaves? And this is a mahlukit. According to the Rambam, the mitzvah of Havdalah is also the oraita. Other Rishonim disagree and they say no. Although the Gemara says, yes, when you have to designate, also you have to designate on the way out, that's only the Rabbanan. That is a mahlukit. In any case, we are Mahmir. Anyway, we do Havdalah. I just want to know if it's the oraita or the Rabbanan. And the practical differences we'll talk about Razat Hashem later on. Here's the source of. Um, making Havdalah. Shabbat is leaving. What do you want to say? Now, the right Shabbat is leaving and you have to express that Shabbat has just left. How do you do so? Hazal said, hold on a second. When, you, when, you, when you're separating, when you're designating Shabbat that just left, you have to do it with honor. You bring a cup of wine. Just like we mentioned in the past, when you have a very special guest coming to your house, how do you honor him? You don't just bring him just regular water. You bring him a nice drink. And if somebody very, very important, you bring him a cup of wine, right? That's why we don't order wine and when you come to restaurants. It's to, uh, it's to Hashubi. It's not, you know, we go out all the time. And when you're going out with somebody very special, then like those days when we're dating, then you bring a cup of wine. Really, we should do it even when we go out, when we get married. But then already the wife understands the Parnassah issue. In any case, we now, um, this is how we go out of Shabbat with a cup of wine. Okay, now, what about all the other Berachot? Because in Havdalah, there's four Berachot. And the Rashi Tabor for the Berachot, to remember them, is the word Yibne. Remember, you know, Motzei Shabbat, we mentioned Eliyahu Navi, like we said, we hope for the coming of Mashiach and the building of Beit HaMikdash. So remember the word Yibne. Yud, Yud, Bet, Nun, He. Yud stands for Yain. That's Berachah of HaGifin. Bet stands for Besamim. That's for the good smell. Nun is for Nerot, which is the Boreme Oreha Esh for the candle, and He is for Habdalah. Those are the four blessings in that order Yibne, Yayin, Besamim, Ner, and then Habdalah. We already explained that the main blessing of the Habdalah is the last Beracha, Baruch HaMabdim, Kodesh Hashem, Lokem Mechaolam, etc., etc., where we're basically expressing verbally 
the separation between the holy day of Shabbat and the rest of the weekday. And Hazel tell us, whenever you're doing an important mitzvah, you should do over a cup of wine, like what we have by Kiddush, like what we have by a wedding, or by Brit Milah, by Pidyon Habin. So too, we're exiting, we're leaving Shabbat, so we make it also on a cup of wine. That explains the first Beracha and the last Beracha, wine and Avdalah. Where in the world did Besamim and Ner come from? Where in the world the Besamim and, uh, and the, I mean, the fragrance, a good smell, and the candle comes from? And they have their own separate reason. We'll mention them very quickly here. We'll obviously elaborate on them when we get to them. Besamim is because, according to some opinions, the, since the Neshama is leaving us, and the only way for the Neshama Yetera, not the, excuse me, sorry, not the regular Neshama, you're not going to die, Motzei Shabbat, don't worry, but the Neshama Yetera, this, the extra neshama, the extra soul that we receive on Shabbat is leaving us on Motzei Shabbat. So therefore, we want to make the regular neshama feel better. Imagine saying goodbye to an old friend. And in fact, when we go away for Shabbat or sometimes a relative's house, or sometimes you have a relative that comes in from Israel or from, from a different uh, place and they stay over for Shabbat, we feel sad when they leave on, on, after the weekend or after Shabbat. We feel sad that they're departing. And by the way, you can even communicate through a telephone. But still, or Skype, even better. Still, you feel sad that they're leaving. An Neshama has another soul that had a companion throughout all of Shabbat, and now it's leaving. So therefore, to make it feel better, we have to give it something for itself. Food and drinks is for the body. The Gemara says the only sense that the soul enjoys is a sense of smell. That's a physical sense that the, joy, that the, that the Neshama enjoys. When it smells something good... The neshama gives praise to it. And that's why we bring the besamim. The fire, we're going to also talk about it much more because, and the reason is very important over here, Hazal tell us in Masech Pesachim that Hashem put in the mind of Adam HaRishon to create fire on Motzei Shabbat. And that's why the blessing on the fire on Motzei Shabbat in the Havdalah is done for the purpose of the basically remembering the creation of fire which what took place on Motzei Shabbat. Okay? These are the reasons why these Berachot come in. The Benish Chai brings it later on, and the Mikubalim also bring it on. It's a very, very interesting idea. You know, the four blessings that we just said over here, <clears throat> they, they are Yibne, Yayin, which is Hagefin, Besamim, then Ner, and then Havdalah. If you look, uh, if you want to look in the mirror, if you don't trust me, but basically the person's face a person's head really has these four things. The senses for all of these four things is lined up exactly in the way that we make Havdalah. Think about it. Let's start with the Yayin. Yayin, Yayin, that's the wine. You drink the wine, right? So where do you drink? The, how do you drink the wine? With your taste, with your mouth. That's your taste buds. And that's the lowest part of your face is the mouth. You go a little higher. The next Berakha is Besamim, which is what? Which is the good smell? The good smell is how do we how do we have a good smell from the nose? We smell it, and that's the next part of your face. That's the nose. You go a little bit higher, and then you get to your eyes, and that's what you use to see the fire of the boreme orea ish. In fact, we're going to learn about it that the blind person, according to many opinions, should not say the beracha of boreme orea ish since he cannot see the fire, and then finally. We go up higher, and over there you get your forehead. Your forehead is the storage of where your brain is. And the mind is what gives a person the understanding to separate between two items. 
Hazal Tala said the first sign of understanding and knowledge in a child is when he's able to make a distinction between two items. Havdalah is only a person who has that. Only a person who has a mind, he's able to understand the difference between two items. And that's why the last blessing is the blessing of Havdalah. It's the highest part in our head. So again, the mouth is for the yain, for the gefen, for the wine. The nose is for the besamim, that's the, no, that, that's the bit. The eyes are for the sake of the fire, because that's what we see, we're getting the hana'ah from seeing. And then finally on top, that's our head, which makes the havdalah in our minds to make a distinction between today, which is Motzei Shabbat, and the day of Shabbat. That is our introduction to the halachot of <coughs> the halachot of havdalah. And now we'll begin Mazat Hashem. The halakhot of Abdullah based on the Benishai in the order the Benishai talks about it. If you would like to see these halakhot inside the Shulchan Aruch, always recommended, you should go look at it and all the Mefrashim. It begins from Siman Resh Sadi Vav until Siman Resh Sadi Tet. Okay, that's where you'll find all these halakhot. And Bazat the same will work from here with the Benishai. Let's begin Halakha Het. We'll begin with the first thing that we make Havdalah with, which is the gifin, the cup of wine. And here the Benishai is very, very mekatsir, very mekatsir. There's almost a, almost a whole siman. I would say oh, the whole siman, but basically a half a siman at least or more. In Siman Retzadivav, where Maran talks about, the Shohan Ruch discusses the halakhot of the cup of wine. Benishai says it in a few lines. And the first line really contains a lot. What does he say? He says, all the things that we mentioned above in the halachot of Kiddush regarding the cup of wine that you should use, you have to be careful with it also when it comes to Havdalah. So there's two ways we could do this. One is by you going on jradio.com, go to the class that we have on the laws of Kiddush, and go over there. We have a few classes over there. One of the classes over there, we discussed all the laws of a cup of wine. But since you're probably not going to do that, and... You know, so uh, we'll try to say it right now in a very, very quick way. And we'll just remind everybody of the halachot of the cup of wine. Before we get to the halachot of the cup of wine, you should know, most of these halachot that we're mentioning over here are only lechathila. What does it mean lechathila? Lechathila means, preferably, this is how the cup of wine should be. There are only a few things that are me'akeb, which means that if you don't have these items in a specific way, then it could be a problem. Only a few of them. Most of the things that we're mentioning are going to be only lechatela, but if you don't have them, then okay, be the abad. We'll point out which ones are ma'akeb, which ones are very necessary in order to do the bilachafa given, and which ones are not so necessary. Let's begin. The cup. The cup has to be a cup, first of all, preferably it should be a, the nicest cup that you have. The cup has to be washed. All oh, this is lechatela again. Oh, the cup should be washed inside and outside. According to Mikubalim, you have to wash it even if it's clean. But the namikubalim, according to halakha, if the cup if the cup is clean, then you don't need to wash it. If it's not clean, you should wash it. And even though you don't care, it doesn't go by you. If it's not clean, you have to wash it in honor of the blessing that you use. So what kind of cup is the best? Some say glass, some say silver, and gold is the last level. Okay? What about plastic cups? We discussed this in Al-Khot of Kiddush. Plastic cups, according to some Ahronim, because remember, they didn't have plastic cups. We're talking about, by the way, not any plastic cups. It's different types of plastic cups. We're talking about disposable plastic cups. So it doesn't really, I don't care if it's glass or anything else. If it's a disposable cup, it's made to be disposable, that's what we're discussing. 
The Grot Moshe and Hakam Metzion say that you, for any kosher beracha, you should not use a plastic cup. Why not? Because it's this, uh, again, when I say plastic, I mean disposable. You should not use a disposable cup. Why? Because since it's made to be harpi ami, it's only made to be used one time, so it doesn't have the definition of a cup, and therefore you shouldn't use it. Okay? And according to Hakam Metzion, it's even me'akib. It means if you if you uh, it's considered like a broken cup, you cannot use it. It's what does it mean? It means if you don't have any other option, you cannot use it. That's that's too bad. However, most of the other poskim disagree. Achamavariah holds that you could use a plastic cup. Of course, it's like a hundred percent. It's better to use a regular cup than to use a disposable cup. But that's not the problem. That's that, 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 but if you don't have any other option, you could use a disposable cup, even if you can dispose of it right away. But according to Acham ben Sion, uh, according to or even the Ramoyse, right? If the whole problem of the cup is that it's only being used one time and being disposed of right away, so the solution is very simple. You know what you do? You take the cup and use it again. Okay? That's the way you're able to fix the problem. You take the cup and you use it again. We have a call. One second. Jeru, hello. Well, yes. Yeah, well, I have to the the radio. The why do the boot is on the radio, please? I'm sorry. Why do the boot is on the radio? No, I, we're in the middle of a show now. Please call later. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, let's come come back to the halacha. Plastic disposable cups should only be used. If you have no other option. But even according to Acham Ben Sion, if you want to use it, then use it again. Now, I know some people, I said this last year, and and uh, people were shocked at it, but that's... It makes no sense if a person has a plastic cup and he wants to avoid, he wants to go according to their opinions. I never understood why you put a double cup. And in fact, I saw Peskejah will bring the same thing. Why in the world does a person use a double cup? Why, how does that make the cup any more hashub, more important? If the problem of a disposable cup is because it's made only to be used one time, by you making it a double cup now, how does that add to it? Now you're going to throw out two cups instead of one cup. It's not like now you're going to say, oh, I'm using two cups, so now I'm not going to throw it out. And you're going to tell me, no, but I'm only going to throw out the cup that I'm drinking with. And the other one I'm keeping, so it's not a cup anymore. It doesn't do anything to it. I never understood it. Although, I have to admit, like I said last time, I did see a picture in one of the Gidole Israel picture books. Where in the name of one gadol, one person was making a, uh, a beracha and a brit milah on a plas- with using a plastic cup and he had a double cup. So apparently one of the gadolim held that, yes, a double cup makes sense, but we don't rule halachot from pictures, regardless who the picture of whoever it is, without understanding it. We are given a sechel to understand, we're given a mind to understand halacha, and therefore, before jumping to make action, we have to understand exactly the reasons. In any case, the double cup, I still am waiting for somebody to explain it to me. What, how does a double plastic cup save you from the problem of kos uh, harpe'ami? Next. Another halakha we mentioned also when it comes to the cup, and that is... Oh, sorry, before that, we forgot to mention one thing. You know when you have to rely on this halakha, by the way? Remember, you're supposed to use a glass cup or a metal cup. Sometimes you have to rely on this halakha to use a plastic cup, and you could use a plastic cup. You know when? When you're somewhere, 
And the people who present to you the cup for your Havdalah or, or Kiddush or whatever it may be, may not have dipped their Kelim. If it's glass or metal owned by a Jew, Halakha says you have to dip it in the Mikveh. If, they, if you know these people are people who don't dip their things in the Mikveh, then you should ask for a plastic cup. Oh, you make Havdalah, that's not like Hathilah. It doesn't make a difference. It's a sort to drink from a cup that's not been dipped in the mikveh. So in that case, of course, use a plastic cup than to use a, pl- a metal or glass cup that has not been dipped in the mikveh. Next halakha when it comes to the kos, shel beracha, is that you have to make sure that when you're saying the havdalah also, you should be dressed properly for the sake of havdalah. Don't say havdalah in your pajamas. Say havdalah with something hashubi. Lemashal, if you're a person who usually wears suits on Shabbat, then you say you have havdalah with a suit. Don't say it when you're wearing your shorts and you're ready to go play basketball on Motzei Shabbat. Make sure you say it with a suit. If you're a person that usually wears a hat, then you wear a hat also when you make Havdalah, regardless of the color of the hat. If you wear a hat, obviously, because when you wear it, when, it's, when something is important, event, it's also important when you're making the bracha of Havdalah, that you should be wearing your hat. Another halakha that's very important when it comes to kos shel beracha of Havdalah, this is again only lechat halam. What is that? The halakha of pagum. The cup should not be pagum. What does it mean pagum? Pagum means anytime you drink from the cup of wine, that's pagum. What does it mean you drank? It doesn't make a difference if you sip from it or you took from it f- by sipping through a straw, you made the course pagum. And the way to fix a course that's pagum is very simple. It doesn't mean you get rid of the whole cup. If somebody sipped from the cup of wine that you're about to use for the havdalah, you know how you fix it? By adding a little bit of wine, you don't have to add so much, a little bit of wine to the cup or a little bit of water to the cup, of course. The water, you have to be careful not to over-dilute it if, if it's, if it's going to be a problem. That's a way to get rid of a course that's pagum. With that, we come back now to the Benis Hai, and he mentions another few points when it comes to the beracha of the cup of wine during Habdalah. He says the following, Katab Rabbeinu Harab Haim Vital it's very important, it's very good that you shouldn't put water in the course shel Havdalah. We mentioned in the past, when we said the Halachot of Kiddush, that anytime you have a cup of wine, you should put like three drops of water. That's Mikubalim, talk about it a lot. Why? Because Mayim represents Hesed, and wine represents Din. And the way we sweeten the midah, we dilute the power of din, is by adding a little bit of mind, which represents chesed. That's the way it is. However, the Arizal explains on Motzei Shabbat, the way we dilute the effect of the din is through the midah of teferet, which comes, which is represented by the hadasim, and therefore we should not add any water. This is all the chathila, we just mentioned two seconds ago, that if a person doesn't have, somebody sipped from a cup of wine, he one now becomes pagum, and now he wants to fix a cup, he could add a little bit of water. So therefore, if you can avoid it, and most of the time, you know, in most situations, a person could, he doesn't have to put water, you should not put any water in the cup of wine. Not before, not afterwards, not even in the bottle. Why? Because, remember, Apikabala is very, very important not to mix wine, water with wine or Motsa'i Shabbat. But if it's necessary... Then okay, you don't have to do it like the Mikubalim. If it's necessary, obviously you add a little bit of water when you have to. Okay? The question now comes up, is what, a per- what about if a person doesn't have any wine? Let's say you're somewhere and you don't have any wine. What could you use instead of it? So let me clarify something. When we say wine, we mean wine or grape juice. Grape juice means something that for sure the Berakha is a gifin. 
I don't want to get into it right now. It's too much to talk about it, but we spoke about it in the Lachot of Kiddush. Which wines are Hagifin and which wines could be possibly Shehakon? So therefore, when we say wine over here, we mean specifically the ones that you're going to make Hagifin on. Okay? That could also mean grape juice. If a person doesn't have wine or grape juice, then you could use any Hamar Medina. Hamar Medina means a special drink that's drank, that's commonly drank by the people in that country, in that location that you're living in. If it's something that's drank as a an important drink, you could use it also for Havdalah in the case we don't have wine. The halakha differs a little bit between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim. What I'm about to say is only for the Sfaradim, and this is Me'akeh for the Sfaradim, but the Ashkenazim will agree that this is Lechat Hilah. Lechat Hilah, according to Ashkenazim, and according to us, if you have wine, you have to use wine or grape juice. If you don't have wine or grape juice, only then do we go on to the next options. What are these options? It has to be alcoholic and has to be commonly drank. For example, in America, if you don't have grape juice or wine for Sfaradi, then you can use whiskey, arak, vodka, maybe cognac, I'm not sure, I'm not so familiar, or even beer. You could use all of these drinks for the sake of Habdallah. However, you can use tea, coffee, or any soft drinks, and no orange juice or apple juice, any juices out there. Why not? Because although tea, coffee, and soft drinks are drank, are very commonly drank, they're not considered an important drink because they're not alcoholic. Hamar may not like the words hamar, hamar in Hebrew means wine, it has to be alcoholic. That's the way the Sfaradim understand That's the way the Sfaradi poskim take it. However, the Ashkenazim, I was shocked that I saw the sub Ashkenazim, Bishat al-Dahak, when it's very necessary, will permit tea, coffee, or juices. This is not like a but they'll permit, if it's very, very necessary for a person to make uh, havdalah on tea, coffee, or even a cup of milk, you have to ask your own rabbi. I don't know what to tell you. Depends on your manhag. If your rav is matirit, then he's matirit. Sfaradim, no way. For us, we can only use a drink that is alcoholic. And we can only use a drink that's alcoholic when we don't have grape juice or wine in the house. If we have them in the house, then we must use them. The Ashkenazim, even the sometimes, if they like beer better than wine or grape juice, they'll use beer for Havdalah. Of course, they won't make a gifin in that case. They'll only make shehakol because that's a bracha on, on uh, beer or, or alcohol. Now that we mentioned that, I want to tell you though, with all the hetterim and things you should know, there's a Gemara Masechet Shavuot. In fact, that's today's Hukli Sa'il. Hukli Sa'il, Parashat Vayit Hanan, Yom Rebi'i. Today, the Gemara, quote, the Gemara that's in Hukli Sa'il quotes the following. says in the Gemara, Anybody who makes Kiddush, excuse me, anybody who makes Havdalah on a cup of wine, Havyan Lan Banim Zecharim. He's Zocheh that he has boys for children. And in fact, I'll tell you a story with it. There was, there's a Kehillah that I know, there's a, there's a minyan that I know, young men that pray in the, in the Kehillah. All of them are in their 30s, young 30s that is. And a very interesting, the minyan, Baruch Hashem, is a minyan of B'nai Torah, a minyan of Baruch Hashem, of good people. They all go to classes and they all learn and they're all growing people. And what's funny is that the whole, basically I would say 90% of the people in minyan have girls. Not just one girl, all girls. One person has four girls, another person has three girls. And Everybody's just having girls and girls and girls. Every time there's a simha, somebody had a kid, had a baby, it's always a girl. They didn't have any boys. They went to Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. And they asked, they, they asked Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, what can we do? So he tells them, make sure you make havdalah on wine on Motzei Shabbat. 
Because they told him we make Abdallah on grape juice. He said, no, make Abdallah on wine. This is the story. I cannot, you know, I'm just telling you the story. So now, in that minyan, every Motsay Shabbat, somebody sponsors a bottle of wine. And that's what they use for Abdallah every week. Did the statistics change? I don't know. I didn't follow up with the story, but this is the story. Of course, that, and he, he understood the Gemara a little. That yain means yain, not grape juice. And of course, so after we mentioned the Hitarim, it's important to know that still there's a special honor to give to the Havdalah to make on a cup of wine specifically. A few more details when it comes to the halakha of uh, Havdalah on a cup of wine, and that is what the Ramah brings down. The Ramah brings down, the f- and he says the following words. He says, There's a manhag to spill from the cup of wine on the ground. What's the reason? So Ramah gives two reasons over there. One reason he says because the Gemara says, Every house that doesn't have the wine spilling like water, it doesn't have any sign of Beracha. What does that mean? It, the way Ramah understands it, that you have to spill a little bit of wine on the floor. The other reason he says, it's also siman It's a good siman in the beginning of the week. And that's why he spills it. And most people, the way they spill it, is that they put the cup of wine and they fill it up to the point that it overflows. Okay? They don't just take the wine and spill it on the floor. That's the way it is. Now, you tell me that it doesn't spill on the floor. It spills on the plate. So some people, I, I, was, I was surprised. I didn't see this in my own eyes. But some people, they, they bring down that they have a minhag. They put the cup on the table. They overflow the cup. The cup now spills on the table. Or from the table, it spills to the floor. That's the way it's brought down. The Taz doesn't like this at all. The Taz says, that's not the meaning in the Gemara. The Gemara doesn't mean to tell you that you should spill the wine on the floor. It means, if it spills, it's a good siman. You know why it's a good siman? Because you should consider wine like water. Nobody is sad when water spills. Because water, there's plenty of it. It's not expensive. It's very cheap. You can get it from the tap. So therefore, if you are not upset when precious things fall, it's a good siman in the beginning of the week. That's the way the Taz explains it. If the house, means if you treat expensive items when they break or when they fall as something very, very hashub, um, excuse me, as something that's not so important in your eyes and you don't get upset at it, then it gives you a berakha. You know why? Because the Gemara Sota compares a person getting angry to losing your panasa. And for that reason, says the Gemara, says the Taz, that's why this, you should minimize, you should minimize in the spilling of the cup of wine and don't spill so much, a little bit, don't spill so much. I have to point out, even though there's a lot of other reasons are brought down for why we spill wine, like the Matei Moshe says, Yayin is a gematcha of 70, and we spill from the Yayin on the floor to weaken the power of the 70 nations that stand against us. Still, the Kanhag brings the name of the Arizal, the Magin Abraham brings it down, the Mahazik Berakha, which is, excuse me, the Berakha Yosef, which is the Hida, and the Kafa Hayim, they all say, all the Mikubalim say, do not spill from the wine. It's Baltashheet, and you're not supposed to do it. According to the Hida, this Minhag is Nidbatil. Nobody does it anymore. Why? Because first of all, you're wasting the wine. How could you do that? So therefore, even if you have a Minhag to spill the wine, makes it only very little. Some people 
over exaggerate. They just keep on pouring and they let it overflow as it's uh, you know the Gemara says it's a halakha and Siman Kufain Aleph in Suhanaruh, you're not allowed to waste wine. Specifically it says over there, any food, but even wine, you're spilling it, it's going to waste. That's Asur. After you drank from the cup of wine for Habdallah. So anyway, if you're not planning to drink it, you're spilling it out. So fine, then you can shut off the candle with it. But before the Habdallah to pour so much that you're wasting it, that's Asur, and people have to be careful with that. Even those who have a manhag to overflow the cup. Make sure you don't do so much. A little bit of a drop. That's it. Just to be Mikayim, the words of the Ramayim. Remember, according to the Taz, that's not the meaning of the Gemara. It's all Bani Abad. And especially according to Mikubali, you're not supposed to spill anything. The Kanag says that some people take the one and they sprinkle just a little bit of a dot on the front door, but not on the floor. Especially like we said, the Ariza said, don't spill anything on the floor from the cup of wine. In any case, you're obviously going to stick to your Minhag. But if you, if I gave you a little bit of a doubt, then you should go ask further about the minhag. What's the problem? Isn't it a problem about tashheet? Look into it, especially if you're sfaradi. Ashkenazim, okay, they have the rama. But if you're sfaradi, yeah, it might be a little bit of, more of an issue. Now, last halakha, we're already out of time, but just a few more, uh, just one more idea. When you pick up the cup of wine, like try to receive it from another person with two hands. That means let somebody give it to you with two hands, and you should also receive it with two hands. Then only hold it with your right hand. And here we have two ways of holding it. Dariza says it should be placed not on the palm of your hand, but on the fingers. So there's two ways to understand this. The Magen Abraham says, that means keep your fingers flat, like the way you're opening your hand, and the cup stands on those fingers when the, your hand is open up flat. That's the way the Magen Abraham explains it, and that's a lot of Ashkenazim also do that, especially the Hasidim. However, according to the Kafa Hayim, he understands that Riza means that the fingers have to be standing up straight, which means that you have to balance the cup of wine on your fingers. This is all the Khathilam that you should hold the cup up like that with your fingers standing up and holding the cup with five fingers. I'll pick up a lot. If you can't do it, you're going to spill on yourself or on other people. Obviously, you don't have to do it. But if a person wants to do it, that's the way to do it. Like we said, according to Makin Abraham, it's flat. And according to Kavahim, hand standing up. These are the halakhot of the cup of wine regarding Havdalah. We'll talk about it more afterwards, what to do with the cup of wine after the Habdalah and all the Segulot that'll be to come next week. We'll be back on Wednesdays at two to three. We'll continue with the halachot of Habdalah. We'll talk about the halachot of Besamim and Boreme Oreha Esh. And if anybody has any questions, you could call into the station right now. We'll be here for another few minutes 718 683 5858, or you could text in at 347 927 8398. Until then, have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom.